What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited. This week has definitely been just crazy for me. I'm feeling like in a silly, goofy mood and Layla is like, what is mom talking about in there? She's getting a little cuckoo. (laughs) She came up to me like, mom, you good? Anyways, I hope you guys have been having a great week. Last week's guest, uh, you all really liked last week's episode with Tiffany. I'm so, so glad if you liked that episode. I think you are going to like the ones we have coming up uh, this week and throughout the next couple of weeks. So I'm really excited to share those with you. Let's just get right on into it with our happies and crappies because I posted a story box today and you all literally had so many things to say. I love when it just like fills up with all sorts of good things. So just to start off with the crappies, I guess I'll start off with mine. So allergy season, baby. And it looks like a lot of other people are also dealing with like allergies, some COVID, migraine, a cough, um, just like all sorts of like just human sickness, I guess. Um, But also some dog sickness, like Some people said their dog has Giardia. Um, Let's see. I think I saw somebody else in here. Their their baby is sick. Like, all sorts of just, like, people are feeling crappy. So that sucks. I hope you guys are starting to feel better. I know my allergies have been pretty bad, and I've had to take some extra medicine for them, or for my allergies, because I have felt so, so congested. This is actually the first time that I haven't felt super congested, this whole week. So literally like Sunday through Thursday, I was like dying because my allergies were so bad and I had a headache from it. So it looks like you guys are also dealing with a lot of the same stuff. So allergies, migraine, cough, COVID, you get it. Happies. Oh my gosh, you guys put so many happies this time. I want to read them all. Okay, I'm just like going to quickly go through them. So somebody signed their largest paid deal ever this week, going to look at a new car tomorrow, it's their dog's birthday, Um, this one dog learned how to stay calm on place when people come in and out, this person read two books, Um, this person kept their ground and advocated for their dog, Um, let's see, somebody celebrated some birthdays. A reactive pooch got along with a stranger at their porch. It was magic. Um, Had two great outings with their dog. Started their dog on allergy shots at the vet. And he crushed the first vet appointment with his shot. So it's like the best he's ever been. I'm just so excited. I love, love, love reading all of these and hearing about your all's happies and crappies. And it's so great to see that even for the crappy moments, you all can find one or more happy moments that came from your week. So that makes makes my little heart happy, um, and I'm so excited for you guys. And I'm excited 
because whenever you guys hear this, I will be on my fourth day of my shirt launch. <laughs> it's so weird to say. So if you haven't checked it out already, you can go to dogmommentality.com and go to the shop link in the menu and see the five different shirts in this collection. Um, so it's going to be a pre-sale. So by the time that you're listening to this on like Thursday or Friday, it will be closing on Saturday, May 7th at 10 p.m. Eastern. So this first week is going to be a pre-sale where you can get however many shirts that you want during this week. Um, and then I'm going to be placing a bulk order. So they'll have um, like a two to four week lead time. And then you'll get your shirts. And then I'll also be ordering like a bulk to just keep in stock at my house. And then... Yeah, you'll be able to get them again back in June, I think, is when they'll like relaunch. Um, and so then they'll just be up on my website for for good, basically. But I'm really excited for this pre-sale. I like didn't want to run out of stock. Um, and so that's why I'm doing the pre-sale instead of just like having X amount in stock. Um, because I just was worried people would want one and then I wouldn't have it because it would say sold out. So... <laughs> I don't know. I'm keeping my hopes high, I guess. So yeah, if you haven't, please go check it out. I'm super excited. And I'll be sharing behind the scenes and stories about each of the shirts throughout this week and also like the, the past week that you're listening to this. And then if you want like the, the scoop on all the different shirts, yeah, you can go to the website. And then I also posted a guide on my story or a guide on my page so like in the guide section I think it's like the third or fourth tab over um, on my page that you can go to and basically see all the posts with the shirts in it so go check it out this week's guest was such a joy to talk to and I learned so much during this conversation so Kayleen's dog Babe is a three-year-old foster fell bulldog and Babe is a double merle dog and is deaf and partially vision impaired as a result of poor breeding. They live in Ontario, Canada and enjoy spending time out on the trails hiking and at their barn with the horses. While Kayleen works her accounting job, Babe likes to spend her days napping and judging her from the fortress of blankets on the couch. Kayleen uses her platform on Instagram to share her adventures with Babe, which includes everything from training experiences to meeting dog friends to dealing with allergies, along with great information about double merle dogs. So the hot topic of this episode is how Kayleen and Babe have had to overcome challenges due to Babe being a double merle dog. And one of the really, really cool things that Kayleen described is that she has had to be super aware of her emotions and her body language and overall like feelings and like mental health because Babe is so, so, so sensitive to Kayleen and her like emotional well-being and mental state and body language. So it was really, really interesting to talk about how she communicates with her body language and with her energy because Babe is not able to hear. She actually encouraged me to try to go without talking to Layla one day and just use my energy and body language to communicate with her. So I'm actually going to try that out in this upcoming week. 
And I encourage you all to do that too. And if you do, please tag me, tag babe. I think that she would really love to see that. And yeah, it's just like, I'm, I'm really excited to try that out and see how that makes a difference, especially because I can carry a lot of my anxiety with me through my body language. Um, and so I think it will be really beneficial for us to be more aware of that and see how Layla responds. So that wraps up the intro for this. I hope you guys have a great week. Go check out my website. Go check out my merch. And I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's get into it with Kayleen. Okay, today we have Kayleen. If you didn't know how to pronounce her name, Kayleen. (laughs) (laughs) She is the owner of Babe. If you don't know them, they are on Instagram as Babe the Deaf Pup. Um, And so, yeah, I'm so excited to, to talk to you today and welcome you on. And yeah, glad to have you here. So uh, just tell us about how you and Babe are and how you guys are, what are you guys up to in Canada? It's been very cold. So we've been hibernating here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's not a big fan of the cold, but we bundle up and we make do of our adventures. Um, She was a foster fail and it'll be two years in May. So yeah, I got her kind of the beginning of the pandemic. I lost my job and was kind of like, well, what do I do? I can't go to the barn. I can't do literally anything. We were very locked down here. So I ended up fostering, fostered one dog successfully and it went off to its new owners. And then she came in and it was, uh, I had her for about a month and was very adamant and not keeping her. I was like, I can't adopt her. <laughs> I live in a basement apartment and I'm never home and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But the pandemic changed a lot of things for everybody, I think. So it ended up that she kind of stole my heart and ended up just kind of fitting into my life just perfectly. And yeah, I foster failed after about a month and officially adopted her. So she, yeah, she's been in my life two years as of this upcoming May. So awesome. And so was her name babe, uh, like before you adopted her? Yeah. So she came to me as babe and I was told she was named after the, uh, the pig, um, from the movies (laughs) because she very much looks like the pig. She actually gets mistaken for a pig occasionally. Sometimes we'll be out hiking and kids will be like, mom, look the pig. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. She does kind of look like one, (laughs) but yeah, she did come with the name babe. Um, which I mean, I could have changed it to anything. It's not like she knows her name. So like she can't hear her name. So <laughs> I can really call her whatever I want. But yeah, no, I, I felt like it, uh, it suited her and mm-hmm. kind of stuck. So it's so confusing how, with both babes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to have... ask like who came first, <laughs> babe Big the babe. horse or babe the dog. <laughs> yeah. Horse babe came first. Horse babe is actually 19 this year. Oh my goodness. Um, she's owned by a wonderful lady at the barn who shares her with me, but she raced once upon a time. And now she, um, we show together in the summers and play. So she, yeah, she was definitely named babe first mm-hmm. <laughs> and little babe came afterwards. So how old is babe, your dog? Little babe is three. So she turned three okay. in November. Yeah. Okay. We, th- we think it's very approximate, but I'm pretty yeah. sure she's around three. Yeah. 
So when you got her, she was about one. Yeah, 18 months, they said, Mm -hmm. about a year and a half. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to know that a big babe is 19, well over like what I expected. Um, It's funny because I live in Kentucky and, you know, there's the Kentucky Derby and like all big horse things. And I didn't realize that horses could live that long. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And she's a big animal. (laughs) Yeah. She's like 19 going on three, though. Like you would never know how old she is. Like she has so much spunk for her age. Like we still jump pretty big for her age and yeah you would never you would never know I ride around sometimes and people who don't know how old she is they're like how old is she did she just come off the track I was like oh like 16 years ago she came off the track that's so funny (laughs) so she uh she's quite the personality as well so the two of them are just chaos together oh they're really cute I saw on your story today how uh they were giving each other kisses they're adorable little babe loves the horses which I'm very thankful for because yeah. a lot of dogs are very scared of them. Was she ever intimidated by them? Like, did you have to do any kind of training? I wish she was a little bit more scared of them <laughs> <laughs> than she is. She's very brave. She loves to like kiss their noses. And I often have to kind of remind her to be like, mm-hmm. hey, you're a little close right now. And I know the horses very well and like which ones don't like dogs as much. Right. Um, but for the most part, she is tied up at the barn. So we've done a lot of training in that sense, like place command and mm-hmm. having her be okay, not with me, um, but able to see me. So she's good. I keep her tied up a lot at the barn and she just kind of chills on her bed. Sometimes she'll protest, but (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, better to be a little too confident than super fearful. Um, but that's coming from my experience with Layla who can be really fearful at times. And I often wish she was a little bit more confident and brave. (laughs) And it's funny because when I first got babe, she was a nervous wreck. She was like very low confidence, very terrified of everything. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually I went for a little hike tonight to just like a local place down the road from me. And I remember back in like summer of 2020, I put babe in the car. I was like, we're going to go somewhere to walk. That's not Mm -hmm. our house. And I put her in the car and she (laughs) stress puked in the car (gasps) on the way (laughs) down the road. Stress puke got there. She was so nervous. Wouldn't even take a treat the entire like little walk around the trail there. And then we walked in tonight and she was like, totally at home like just yeah it's so it she's come a long way in the time I've had her but yeah she was very low confidence very anxious yeah so kind of like thinking back to those first like what maybe first year for six months to a year of like having her um you said that you don't consider her reactive but like you shared some of the harder things that you went through like uh resource guarding and that like nervousness and anxiety um also mentioned she was she's a little bit pushy at at times um which I totally feel that (laughs) um so can you share like kind of how those behaviors came about and like what you did about them and how it affected your relationship with her Yeah. So she was basically surrendered right into my care from her previous owners. And we don't know a whole lot about her history, but apparently she was passed around. They had bought her off Kijiji and then they had her and Mm -hmm. the other dog was food aggressive was what they told us, but who really knows what the story was. Um, she was a bit of a disaster. She looked, she was so dirty, super skinny. Um, and we think she was probably living in a crate of some sort. She came to me, um, And had a lot of kind of issues around food, like getting her to eat was 
a mission and a half. She had zero food drive. I couldn't get anything into her. She would try and bury and hide her food. So that was a long process to work through to try and like get her just comfortable eating. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that there was like obviously a lot of tension surrounding mealtime where she came from, but yeah, it's the resource guarding is interesting. It's never, she's never resource guarded around people. Um, Mm -hmm. it's only, I'll see it come up with other dogs. Um, and when I first brought baby in, I was very much one of those people who was like, a little love and affection is all she needs. Like, right. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, did you have any like past experience with this type of stuff? I have only had family golden retrievers growing up and they've okay. all been perfect. So <laughs> that'll tell child. you everything you need to know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was very much like naive in the sense that I really just had no idea. And I was not giving her any structure that she needed and any of that kind of stuff. So as those behaviors started to kind of arise and like she gave us signs, but I, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't see them. So, uh, we were over at my parents, uh, for dinner one time in the summer, right after I'd gotten her and she, we were all hanging out in the backyard and I was kind of like just oblivious, like her and Denver is all, they've always been great friends. Like we've never had any issues that mm-hmm. I recognized. Um, we had corn husks down on the ground and my parents' dog was trying to eat them. And she was kind of like, is this something that I should have? Like, and started kind of like body blocking him, Mm -hmm. which I should have known right then that that's not okay. And I should have removed her, but I didn't know any better. Right. Which (laughs) I beat myself up for a long time about it, but you really can't fault yourself for what you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. So she ended up chasing him off the deck and then ended up, we were like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah, still not this is unusual. <laughs> and she did end up biting him on the ear, mm-hmm. um, which in hindsight, it was very scary. It was nothing I ever want to experience ever again, um, but very minimal damage. Like it really wasn't, it was just a wake up call for us, right? Mm-hmm. Something that I was like, I need help and I yeah. need to get some professional help for this dog. Um, because obviously there's something surrounding food or other dogs. She just had no socialization, right? She didn't know Mm -hmm. how to communicate that like, Hey, I think this should be mine and not yours or, um, yeah, there was none of that. She had no clue. Um, she was very, very under socialized. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the wake up call I needed. She was getting, there's like a honeymoon phase phase when you right. first get your rescue dog and everything's great. She's perfect. And she's never barks. And, and, yeah. And- yeah. And then those, as they get comfortable and like yeah. behaviors start to arise. So that was definitely a big one. Um, and after that happened, I had a big shift in my energy as well. I was very anxious, very nervous, very like, what have I done? I like, can I keep this dog? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to train this out of her. What if it's, what if she's actually aggressive? Like it was all those questions, right. That pop up in your head. And I was like constantly just going in a loop of <laughs> anxiety and that was not helpful for her. Right. Yeah, all. Because they definitely pick up on our energy more than what we like to think. And when we don't know like what to look for or like, don't know what to like recognize, and like, we do have these like up and down emotions, then we can't really see at that time how we're also affecting them. Totally. Yeah. And she like not having that sense of hearing, she is mm-hmm. very, very sensitive to my emotions and feelings and energy, especially. 
Um, I find it like I really have to be conscious of it mm-hmm. um, because it does affect her a lot. Like I have really grown in the sense of knowing where my energy is at and how I like how to kind of stabilize myself and when I need to like leave the house and leave her at home, be like, right. I need to check yourself and then come back because babe can't have you feeling like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that is like really crazy because the whole time that you were telling me the story, I like almost forgot that babe was deaf. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, I just like, like now, like kind of running back through the whole story, I'm thinking like of it in terms of her being deaf and, um, partially vision impaired. Right. So it's just like a whole other ball game whenever you kind of add on that layer of how all the things converge and work together in, in her small little body, in her small <laughs> little pig body. <laughs> small body, but gigantic head. <laughs> <laughs> she is really cute. And you've done a really great job of, you know, building her up into a very healthy dog. Um, in terms of like her weight and, and everything. I know you said like, whenever she first came to you, she was dirty and underweight. So you've done a really great job of, of building her up to that. Thank you. Yeah. She, she was definitely a mess when I got her. She had allergies, just figuring out her allergies alone, like has taken me probably almost two years to get the point to where we at are, where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out, I did a, actually a environmental stress test for mm-hmm. her to kind of narrow down her allergies. And that really helped as like a good starting point. And kind of now all we have to deal with is the environmental stuff in the summer, which I have some right. supplements to kind of help her with that. And, but yeah, she is a totally different dog. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So whenever you first got her, do you feel like she was like more reserved and shy? And then over time she started to show like the more pushy behaviors and the more like breaking out of her shell into the confident babe that she is now. Definitely. Yeah. She was very, yeah, very reserved, like very just kind of like, (laughs) it's so funny because as I'm saying this, she's over on her chair over there, like grumbling, like just. (laughs) Mm, constantly (laughs) she knows you're talking about her (laughs) (laughs) she's very intuitive yeah um but yeah she definitely was like very quiet very reserved and then started to have like little bursts of like playfulness and Mm -hmm. like her personality started to shine through as she got more confident um the pushiness was she definitely learned that she could control me with her voice, which is ironic because she can't even hear herself. Right. Um, but she figured out that her barking got my attention yep. and it was constant. Like I would be trying to work and she'd be just like barking and barking and barking and barking. And like deaf dogs are so loud. Like anybody who has a deaf dog can attest to this because they can't hear themselves. She, her bark is so loud. I'm like, I wish you could just hear yourself for five right. seconds. <laughs> That's funny. That's how Layla is too, though. She she knows that she's very vocal and she knows that it gets our attention real quick. Yeah. So yeah, Layla is like also really, really pushy. And um, before I got serious about training them, like we probably shared a lot of the same emotions about like our dogs being pushy and it's like, what the heck do we do? Um, but like, I felt a lot of resentment towards her 
during that time of like me just not knowing what to do, not having the information um, and just like feeling super defeated and like not respected at all. And there were times that we were like, should we rehome her? Like, we don't know what to do. And like my fiance was traveling a lot. So it was just me. Um, and you know, it was just like a lot of different things at that time and my mental health, it was just like a lot going on, but like that thought did come into our mind. Obviously we didn't do it, but, um, like, did you ever have kind of those same thoughts? Like, I know you kind of said, would that be an option? Is that like what you should do? Um, so like, was that ever a thought in your mind, but like, what kept you from doing it? Oh yeah. I was ready. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I was was at my wits end with her. She was like, so pushy, like would not take a correction. Like I was just, I was lost. And I was like, if I can't have you around other dogs, like I really didn't know the root of her issues. Um, and I like, but then eventually I was kind of like, if I don't help her, I don't think mm-hmm. anybody else will. Cause that's kind of like where I was at when I adopted her, I was like, I can't picture somebody else being a better home for gotcha. her basically. It was kind of where I got to. And I was like, I just can't see her going on somewhere else and thriving as much as I could probably be able to provide mm-hmm. for her. Um, and who knows, like in a different world, maybe, like she would have found an awesome family and I would have continued on the way I was and who knows, but yeah, I, I was definitely frustrated mm-hmm. and just kind of like, am I, did I do, did I make the right, right decision? I was like, I should have gone with my gut and given her up for adoption. And then eventually like I have a really good friend who, um, who I went to university with and her now husband, um, grew up with a dog who had a lot mm-hmm. of issues he was rescue as well. And, um, a lot of aggression issues. Um, and they had a wonderful contact named yeah. Sunny. <laughs> so Sunny lives up, um, kind of Northern Ontario. It's about two and a half hour drive okay. from me. And he, I don't really know how to describe him. He has a pack of 14 of his own dogs. Of his dogs. Oh, I did not mm-hmm. realize yeah. like whenever I was looking at his social media that all of them were his dogs or not all of them, but like the majority of them. Yeah. So he has some that come in for boarding and others that have been through his mm-hmm. rehab program, but 14 are his and they've all come from very rough paths. Most have bite histories. Most were slated for mm-hmm. euthanasia. Like each one of his dogs has its own story and you would never, you yeah. would never believe it by going there and meeting a lot of them um, that they came from where Yeah, that's did. crazy. I, I would have um, never known. Yeah, it's wild. And it's fine. It's funny because whenever I try and explain it, I'm like, it's kind of just like a dreamland. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I was like, he has this beautiful land where he lives with his 14 dogs and those dogs now pay it forward mm-hmm. to the dogs who need help. Um, so my friend had a ton of success with him back in the day. Um, this was like back when he mm-hmm. was younger that their family dog went there. Um, and they've kept in contact and their, their dog now also goes there for boarding. Um, but they had a ton of success with him and they were like, just reach out and shoot him an email and like, go from there. Like, I'm sure he can help you with right. babe. Um, so I sent him an email. It took a really long time. Cause he, he's one of those people who's not good with technology. He's not great with uh, email but he is with the dogs 24 right. seven. Very he's passionate about that. Freaking good at what he does. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. So by the time we actually like got all said and done, so she went in October that year. For okay. So this month. was October of 2020. Okay. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. She went for a whole month, stayed with him in the pack and just got some socialization and learned from the pack and learned from a leader that was strong and had confident energy and was able to be like that strong leader that she needed. Like she needed somebody to follow. She needed to get into a follower mindset so that she wasn't having to make all these decisions by herself all the time. And ultimately making often the Mm -hmm. wrong decisions. Like she had to learn how to respect her other pack members and learn how to follow and learn how to communicate properly. Like she had a lot of work to do and she went and she got in a few scraps that first week because she just, she didn't know how to communicate to all the dogs there. Like she's never, she's never had any experience having to learn to Mm -hmm. communicate with either people or dogs. Right. So she went and got the boot camp and no joke. She came home a completely. That's crazy. Whenever she came back, like what was her response to you? I noticed a few things right away. She was definitely more of a follower Mm -hmm. mindset, but Sunny also helped me in the sense that I became more confident. I was able to be more level-headed. I wouldn't like, I knew how to kind of react when she would get Mm -hmm. pushy and with her rather than, because I can't use voice and he doesn't, use a lot of voice either with like even his hearing dogs he does a lot of like shh and like small noises right. like that but not it's more energy based there's no real like obedience okay. in that sense um so for babe it was a lot of like we use touch in like I would give her a poke behind the ribs to communicate hey this is inappropriate and use my body language to kind of stand up in front of her and be like what you're doing mm-hmm. is appropriate you need to find something else to do and kind of guide her and help her find what is appropriate and the better way to react and it took a little while like she kind of came back and fell slightly into her like old ways in the sense that like he was like when she gets home like she's gonna be back in that environment she's gonna kind of fall back in her own ways so you're just gonna have to be that strong leader mm-hmm. for her and um the more I was able to keep my energy steady and what she needed, the more she started to look to me to like make decisions and look to me for guidance. And yeah, it was, it was really cool to to see the shift in her mindset. Um, And not only that, she came back super Mm -hmm. confident as well. So where she was really lacking in the like confidence department, being nervous in the car and nervous at new places, like like she got in the car on the way home and was totally fine. The entire ride home, no stress puking. She laid down and went to sleep. I was like, who is this That's dog? wild. <laughs> Did he do any kind of training like that? Like, you know, car or I don't know, just like random confidence building exercises. It's all with That's the wild. Like she gained com- confidence by like learning how she was supposed to act mm-hmm. around them. And like, he would put her in the car to go down the street that she has a little boyfriend who's there. Oh, who's babe does. <laughs> yeah his name is Hugo and he's a little black bulldog and they're like that is so fun so he lives down the road so he would put her in the car to go there and stuff and take her into town and whatnot but yeah there's no like no real Mm -hmm. training in the sense that like what we do now for like confidence building of like and like I did a lot of like get her up on the picnic Mm -hmm. table and like all that kind of stuff which I'm sure totally contributes to her confidence but there was a big shift in being with the pack and being around the pack and having a confident leader to look up to that really made a big difference in her overall confidence and food drive. She came home and 
I have never, I had never seen her eat a full meal. So oh easily. my gosh. <laughs> that is, it's just so crazy. You like almost like wonder, I kind of wish she had like a camera on her the whole time just to see like exactly what is happening. Like totally. let's make a documentary. And he'd like, send me, <laughs> yeah, right? I know. I was like, I would pay so much money to yes. fly on the wall. And he'd send me like lots of little videos and stuff. And it's so interesting mm-hmm. to see the dogs interact and Every time she goes back for boarding, I always like watch her get reintegrated. And sometimes there's some new dogs and it's always just a really, really positive experience. Yeah, that, that's really, really cool. There's only one other dog that I've known that has done something like that. Um, Henry, which I think, you know, Henry yeah. um, and Carissa. Yes. Babe and Henry used to be. Yeah, real yeah. But I don't <laughs> think he went to the same place, right? He went to a different one. No. Yeah, different place, but very similar philosophy. The only difference with um, mm-hmm. McNasty, Jonathan, is they aren't all his right. dogs. But yeah, very similar concept. He uses a lot of the same tactics that mm-hmm. Sunny does in how he controls his pack. And yeah, it's really interesting and was super beneficial. To oh, for sure. Well. Yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there is probably one other dog and place that I know that's actually here in the U.S. That sounds the most similar to what you're talking about. Um, but it's more of like a farm dog program. And so they, um, they don't stay there for like a boarding type thing, but it's like a day program where they go and learn how to like socialize and do, um, different like confidence exercises around the farm, but it's very like functional, um, and more pack like and not individual training. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that's so hard to find. And so many people ask me, they're like, how do I find this where I am? And I'm like, honestly, I am so, so freaking lucky that he's there. Like, because it is, it's hard to find people who do what he does, who are that, um, nuanced in dog behavior, who really know what they're doing and have full control of their pack in that sense, in order to rehab dogs need that kind of social. social Exactly. So you kind of talked about like the mindset shift from yourself during this time. Like whenever she came back, you had like this whole energy shift. And I find that so interesting because a lot of people talk about whenever they get their dog, it's like a saving grace for them because they're on some kind of routine and like that helps their mental health or like their like day-to-day living just by having some routine. But I feel like for you, it was, you have a routine because of babe just like being a dog and potty breaks and food and whatnot. But then you also have this like mindset and energy that you are so aware of because of her being deaf. So while she was gone and then just kind of like every day, do you have any, like, I don't want to say like coping mechanisms, but just like, do you have anything to get like your headspace in a good place before you start, you know, your day off with babe or like while she was at Sunny's, did you do anything to like help yourself? Well, she was away for that month. I just like took a deep breath, (laughs) which was really what I needed. A month was just a long breath. (laughs) Yeah, took a deep breath. I went to the barn a lot. I hung out with friends. I like took that time away from her, like when she was at Sunny's, to just kind of like step back and take some time for myself. I fostered a puppy for a little bit, but yeah, now I'd say like for the most part, I'm pretty consistent. If I need to step away for a bit, I'll go to the barn and I'll leave her at home. Um, cause being around the horses is always, and animals are therapeutic, mm-hmm. right? So 
I like to go to the barn and especially in the summer, I'll go for a hack, go canter around outside and just like decompress a bit before coming home. I find that's usually, usually the best way to kind of reset my right. mind. Yeah. Everyone has like different ways of doing that. Um, and so I wanted to see like what yours was since the energy is so needed and necessary for your and babe's communication. So shifting a little bit, let's like talk about how babe is a double moral dog and like what exactly that means. So do you want to just describe a little bit of like what a double moral dog is? Yeah. Genetics. are. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, like I had no idea before I got her and like, um, learning about the genetics behind the double Merle is really interesting. So what she is, is basically the Merle gene is like a marbling of the coat. Like Layla has Merle. Um, it's very common, like border collies, Aussies, Mm -hmm. collies, like you'll see it a lot there. When you breed two dogs who both have a Merle gene in them, whether they're both presenting as Merle or it's a hidden Merle, um, you have the chance of getting a double mm-hmm. Merle, which is a homozygous Merle, basically, right. right? It's the dominant Merle gene being duplicated. So if you breed two Merle dogs together, each puppy has a 25% chance of being mm-hmm. double Merle. Double Merles are almost always blind, deaf, or both because of the lack right. of pigment. So that is like why babe is mostly white. Yes. Yeah. So most double Merles, you'll see mostly white. They'll have a little bit of a Merle patch somewhere. Some have more moral on them than mm-hmm. others. They're generally going to have like pink nose, blue eyes because they have no right. pigment. So her ears, she's deaf because the lack of pigment has caused the hair on the inner eardrum to atrophy. And oh, interesting. I didn't realize that that was the reason that like they're deaf. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. And it also happens with people mm-hmm. who are albino. Apparently they are often deaf as well which I learned from a friend who's also a doctor, but yeah, it's, yeah, the lack of pigment, both their ears and their eyes. And um, a lot of the eye issues, you'll see a lot of double merles just don't either don't have eyes. They have very small eyes. They have irregular mm-hmm. pupils. Babe has what's called starburst right. pupils. So her vision impairments are mostly like light sensitivities. Uh, so if it's super bright, I find she has a hard time with the snow as oh, well. Um, light and dark, she has just a hard time seeing things and tracking. Um, so like if I throw a treat up in the air, she's like mm-hmm. looks around for it, like she can't find it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Would you say that her sense of smell is pretty good in terms of like it, it being able to like compensate for some of the other senses that she doesn't have or like doesn't have as much of oh yeah her nose is really? very good <laughs> that's that's great oh yeah because Layla's nose is not good at all <laughs> <laughs> um it's funny that's because so funny. like we'll do searching games with Layla sometimes and you can tell that she is more like she's using her sight way more than anything else honestly um she'll definitely use her nose a little bit but it's it's mostly sight so that's really funny Um, but yeah, that, that's really, really crazy to like about just like how all of that works. I knew from a genetic standpoint, what a double moral meant from like a biology, but I didn't realize that how it affects the ear or the hair in the ear, um, and like the different vision impairments, um, all due to the lack of pigment. I like did not realize that. So that's really cool to hear. So did you like realize the challenges that you would have with her whenever you first adopted her due to 
her vision impairment and deafness. See, it's funny because people often ask, they're like, how hard is it to have a deaf dog? Isn't so much harder? Honestly, I think it's easier in a lot of ways. (laughs) It's really just Mm -hmm. different. Like instead of going to your voice to say something, go to your hands. And like, she's the exact same as any hearing dog. She just can't hear, right? Like that's, and dogs learn nose, ears, then, or nose, eyes, then ears, right? So they take in all information with their nose first then their eyes, mm-hmm. then their ears. They don't know English. Really, the only disadvantage she's at is if somebody's coming up behind her and she right. doesn't hear them, right? Um, or me trying to say something to her from a mm-hmm. distance, whereas I have the e-caller to help me with that. So yeah, it's. It, I wouldn't say it's mm-hmm. harder. It's just different. I wouldn't say that they're, it's just different. Yeah, I've just had to learn different ways to communicate her with her rather than doing right. more. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Do you think it would have been different if you would have had another dog already. Well, I guess you foster felt. So like, did you do any kind of, um, or you fostered? So did you do any kind of like, mm, I don't know, like training with the dog that you had previously for, for your foster and then, you know, being able to like transition to a babe who is deaf, like, was that like weird or different? Like that, you know, kind of transitioning, I guess. A little bit. I mean, my last, like, I mean, I didn't know a ton about like proper mm-hmm. training. I was, it was like, all I really knew is like, let's teach my right. lay down and try and get them to walk beside me. But <laughs> it really wasn't anything intense. I, I wouldn't say that I, it took, it didn't take very long for me to rewire mm-hmm. how I learned to teach her. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, like it, it, I just had to figure out ways, ways that she was receptive to learning. So whether that was using my hand or using a lure or using vibrations mm-hmm. on the floor or using more signs or whatever, or leash pressure was a big one. Yeah, just different. And now it's very, um, <laughs> it, it, I almost forget to talk yeah. sometimes with dogs who can hear me now and the horses too. I'll like give them a thumbs up and I'm like, you have no idea. What oh, I that's mean. so funny. Yeah. I was actually going to ask too, like, if you ever got another dog, do you think that you would do hand signals with them too, instead of verbal commands? I think I'd probably okay. do both. Um, I think that dogs respond better to signs mm-hmm. sometimes, actually a lot of the time. Um, because often when you teach a dog a new thing, you lure first, right? And then you fade out the lure to bring in your voice. And for me, I would say, I was like, I just don't have to teach Mm -hmm. her the voice part. I just use my lure and that's either my sign or I fade the lure into another sign. Like it's just one less step for me when I'm teaching her Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. I find that really, really interesting, especially because I feel like it kind of goes back to that energy that you were talking about, how you like have to be aware of your energy and how it affects babe so much. And I feel like not relying on your voice as much would build a better like body language communication with your dog. Um, and like you said, it's kind of like the, the nose, the sight, the hear or the ears, whenever they like kind of go through their senses, but they are a very like physical creature. So definitely like body language probably comes before hearing anything um, in terms of their communication. Yeah, totally. Like she's definitely taught me to talk less. Dogs don't understand English. Like do I talk to her? (laughs) Yeah, I say stupid stuff to her all the time. But it's like when you're really wanting your dog to pick up what you're putting down, 
really don't need to talk a lot. And she's definitely taught me that I don't need mm-hmm. my voice to train or have recall or any of those things that you would often rely on your voice right. for. Yeah. Talking less and kind of listening and feeling. Yeah. I love and- that. That's so interesting. It like makes me want to not talk to Layla. <laughs> I don't-, <laughs> don't try it. Go. Honestly, I challenge every dog owner to like, just stop talking for Mm-hmm. at least a day or two and see what you can accomplish and what you can like, what you can do with just your energy and your body. Right. Language. I feel like it would be super challenging for me, honestly, super challenging. <laughs> I feel okay. I'm going to challenge myself the week that this comes out. I will try to go a couple okay. of days without talking it. to Layla. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that'll be interesting. She'll be like, what is going on with my mom? (laughs) (laughs) So you, you kind of said a little bit, like you do hand signals and you use the e-caller to communicate with her. So can you like kind of explain how you use the e-caller to communicate with her? Yeah. It's basically like, I love the e-caller because I can communicate with her without her being right right next to me. Um, that was kind of the one gap I had was like, if she was across the room or if she was off leash, which I had never let her off leash mm-hmm. before she was e-collar trained, but even like in my parents' backyard, like I had no way of like being like, Hey, don't right. do that or leave it or come back to me. Like there was none mm-hmm. of that. Whereas the e-collar created this communication where I could double tap at a low level and that was her leave it, or I could click the vibrate button and that was her recall. Okay. Um, and then in order for me to, cause you know how, like, say you're out on a trail and you recall your dog and they mm-hmm. ignore you and you escalate your voice, you make your right. voice louder or put more energy behind it or whatever. I had no way to do that. So with my vibrate button, I can then move to a continuous stim and dial mm-hmm. up slowly. And that's my voice getting louder and louder being like, Hey, get your right. back here. <laughs> Um, but it's taken a while to build that language up. Like it's been, it was a lot of conditioning. So I started e-collar training her November 2020. Okay. So after, right after Sunny's. Yeah. Right after Sunny's while she was away, I did a lot Mm -hmm. of learning. So I read all the books I could read. I watched all the videos I could watch and I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to like do it slowly and take my time. And I'm going to make sure I do Mm -hmm. it right. So that it's because I I was like, I right. need this. I need, I need it to yeah. work. <laughs> I need that form of communication that I was missing. And I had some really awesome resources um, to kind of help me through it when I had questions who had worked with deaf dogs before, because it's hard to find any resources on training a deaf dog on the right. e-collar. I was like, could not find a single mm-hmm. thing. I was, ugh. and I was, would like watch lives and leave questions about like, Hey, if you're doing this with a deaf dog, what would you do? And it was like, oh, you would just like, it was very, I would, I wouldn't really get a lot. Yeah. Like (laughs) I didn't really, I couldn't find a whole lot of information on it. So gathering the information from those few wonderful resources that I found and other deaf dog owners, I was like, I'm going to put it all in a highlight so that if somebody is in the same spot as me, maybe they'll stumble across us and be able to learn something from what I've kind of right. collected and put out there and all of our like <laughs> stumbles and fumbles and things that didn't go quite right. And, but yeah, I look at her now and I can let her off leash and not have any worries. Like she has awesome recall, like one click of that button. She's 
<laughs> her loud barks are coming out. <laughs> She's like, mom, don't talk about me. Excuse me. She wakes up an alarm bark. Yeah. I'm sure she just like gets really alerted by the vibrations. Yeah. And like sometimes she'll like just wake up. Startled. Really? Like, and I, I, and I think it's pretty common mm-hmm. with deaf dogs and I'm not entirely sure why, but a lot of them seem to kind of startle awake mm-hmm. sometimes, even if nothing's triggering it. Like, especially kind of this time of night, if she falls asleep, she'll kind of wake up right. startled and bark a few times and kind of look like she <laughs> heard something, even though I know she didn't. And then I'm like, there's a ghost <laughs> in my house. And that's a whole other conversation. It reminds me of like, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you like forgot to set an alarm. And you're like, oh my gosh, what time yes. is it? And it's like, oh, it's 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I still have time to sleep. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so okay, like let me just make sure I understand this. So you kind of trained it to where like a double tap means one thing, vibrate means one thing. Um, and then so I was like wondering if you did like a tap and then expected her to look at you, and then you would do some kind of hand signal. How, do you ever do that at all? Not really. I found that a little bit tricky. Um, and I like, she's the kind of dog who I've always heavily rewarded mm-hmm. check-ins. So she naturally okay. checks in every few steps. Like if she's out in front of me, which isn't often, she often likes to stick either beside me or behind me so she can see me. Um, but if she's on trail and she's feeling braver and stepping out in front of me, she will every few steps stop and kind of look back mm-hmm. sideways at me to make sure I'm there. She, I basically started with the e-collar teaching pressure and release. So it was like pressure on with the continuous stim, give a signal, pressure off when she complied. And we did a lot of that with like all of her known commands. And then with recall, I did it with the stim first before switching it over. Right. So just like also using pressure. Okay. Yeah. I wanted a really clear understanding of that. Like if I follow what you're asking, pressure Mm -hmm. goes away. Right. So I would put the stim on her working level, lowest level she can feel, use leash pressure to have her come towards me. As she started coming towards me, that pressure right. would release. And it was just continuous repetitions of that. So, and I, in hindsight, I think that it, like, could you? Yes. Like, teach them a, like a tap men mm-hmm. look at me. Um, I haven't really felt a need for it much because if I'm wanting her and honestly, her vision's not great enough to see my signals from that far away. I don't think anyways. So if I want her to do something, I usually just recall her or if she's doing something I don't want her to do, I'll just double tap as a leave it and she'll move on and go do something else. Yeah. That makes sense. Everyone uses the e-caller like a little bit differently, um, depending on what they're comfortable with and like how their, their dog is. So it's very interesting to hear from your perspective. And honestly, anyone that I talk to that uses the e-caller, I think it's interesting, like how and why they use it that way. Yeah. So I just, I just find it so, so interesting. So thanks for sharing. It's super, (laughs) it's such an, it's such an intuitive tool that like, there's really so many uses for it. Um, like say you're using it for, um, like reactivity, it's going to be completely different than if somebody's just using it for mm-hmm. recall or just using it for corrections for problem behaviors or like, and I've used it for her demand barking mm-hmm. before as well. Like if she's, <laughs> if she's being really annoying and like, she has no reason for that, like, right. and she will sometimes cause she likes to push buttons and she is who she is. You don't have to tell me and twice. I get it. <laughs> 
that's when that double tap works as well. Like it works as leave it, but it also works as a no. It's basically like stop doing what you're doing and find something else to do. And if she needs help finding that other thing to do, then I'll help guide her in the way of like, Hey, go over here, go, go do Mm -hmm. something different. Here's a bone to chew or here's a toy. Like she's not toy driven, but I try to give her toys. (laughs) Actually, I thought of you tonight because she played with a toy with me tonight for like she'll play with a toy like three times a year like she really is not a toy dog but I really try to get her but she must rather do like personal play um but she was playing with one of her toy pigs tonight and I was like oh my gosh I played with my dog oh that's so great (laughs) that's so funny though does she have like the the pig toys that like they make the grunt like they sound like a pig So she doesn't really love the like rubbery ones. It's funny though, because any of her toys, I break the speakers in because I'm like, if you can't hear it, then I don't want to hear it either. (laughs) But she has had the pig toys like that. um, But she prefers like ones that have like rope and Mm -hmm. stuff are like more like soft. Um, But my parents' dog loves the squeaky annoying pigs. Yeah, Layla does too. I'd be interested to see like if Babe would be interested in a toy that you could like put food in because you said she's really food driven so she does she loves right. puzzle toys so they, uh, she does like toys yeah. in that sense so like she has a bunch of like the snoop and the kong mm-hmm. wobbler and like all that kind of stuff that she loves um so she gets like enrichment breakfast mm-hmm. every morning i either do like snuffle that or one of those but yeah she likes things with food but not a big player with mm-hmm. toys i really wish she was because when she does it's really oh really i bet <laughs> But like every dog is different. So, you know, it's um like for us, I feel like that's one way that Layla and I like really built our communication and our relationship and just being like, we're friends. <laughs> um, but and that's like kind of where our energies do like really match up and like are really in sync in that moment. I find like if we play in the morning, our energy throughout the day is like really in sync. Um, it's like really, That's really awesome. good. Um, now I will say like work has been extremely busy, so we haven't really been able to play in the morning that much, but when we do, it's like really great. Um, but it's kind of like that same thing about you just like finding that energy between you and her in your body language and being able to communicate with her. Yeah. Finding common ground where you can kind of match their energy right. is yeah, cute. common ground, I think yeah. is the best way to explain it. And for us, that's play for you all. That could be like walking together, just spending time together. Um, I know like some, some owners and dogs, like they really connect after they go for like a really long walk or a hike together. Um, and that's just like, yeah, they both decompress to the point that their energies could like be really strong together. Yeah. Yep. Different for everyone, but as long as you can find that, that's the most important part. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So last but not least, I want to know what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? It's funny because I always like, and I feel like there's kind of a negative connotation behind like being a dog mom sometimes, (laughs) but I find I've really found like a new meaning behind being a dog mom, like through Instagram and finding so many connections on there. I feel like for us, it's a lot of um, like advocacy and but also like being in tune with your energy I find that like those are the kind of things parts of me being a dog mom that really benefit my relationship with Mm -hmm. babe yeah that makes total sense I feel like the energy for you all is 
so like necessary. Yeah. Like I'm almost like jealous of it, you know, because I like sometimes think that Layla and I do get really off sync and like aren't as in tune with each other. And I do relate a lot of it back to like me just being distracted or like, you know, disassociating from like what we're actually doing on a walk because my head is going in a million miles per hour and I have all these thoughts and like, I'm not actually present in the moment. Um, And so Mm -hmm. that's like when I almost wish I had that extra push of like, my energy needs to be where she needs it to be in this moment while I'm with her. Give yourself a pep talk. That was my (laughs) biggest thing. I would literally like, especially when I was like first hiking with new people and like they was getting more socialization practice after being at Sunny's, I would literally sit in my car before going for a hike. I'd be like, babe needs you to be calm and confident. Babe needs you to be calm and confident. (laughs) And like, I would just like say that over and over to myself because I was like, she needs you to do that. She like has nobody else to lean on for that, like reassurance Mm -hmm. and like, it's huge at the vet too. She oh, a yeah. time. She's very nervous. I have vet. done that for the vet before. <laughs> and she, she really needs me to help her by being that calm, confident energy that she can kind of look to me and be like, Oh, you're okay. I guess I'm going to be all, all mm-hmm. right as well. Um, and I found it has made a big difference in the vet. Like, and we've been lucky. Our vet has come out to the parking lot for us because we aren't, haven't been allowed to go in with oh, them. Okay. But I know with her, I was like, if I'm the one handling her, it will be more successful, like for all of us. So with her being muzzled and me being the one handling her, like now that I consider a bite risk, but the muzzle makes everybody Mm -hmm. more confident, right? And having everybody's energy where it needs to be is the main priority for her. And that's like, yeah, having everybody else confident and me being like the main person that she can rely on, like it's huge. Yeah, I definitely had a pep talk just like that before our last vet visit. And we went in and it was, it went really, really well. Um, And I muzzle Layla whenever we go to the vet too, just out of pure confidence and like, you know, just making sure that everyone feels a little bit safer just in case. Um, Better safe than sorry. So I had a really good conversation with you. I loved talking to you. And I think this will be a great episode for everyone to listen to. And challenge for everyone is to not talk to your dog for a whole day and see what all you guys can do. So thank you. This was so fun. Of course. Thank you so much for coming. I'm not a big talker, but yeah, this is good. Can you tell everyone like where to find you and babe? Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at babe, the deaf pup. Um, we are also occasionally on TikTok as well. <laughs> There's some random things go up there. So you can follow us at Babe the Deaf Pup on TikTok as Amazing. well. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.